It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, January 11th. This is your KVMR Evening News. First up tonight, the California Report continues its tour of some of the heaviest hit areas throughout the state. More storm coverage coming up. Then we've got your local news and weather update before the latest edition of Soup's On. Hear what you missed in yesterday's Nevada County Board of Supervisors meeting. And KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Nevada County's Information and General Services Director, Steve Monahan. Due to misleading maps, Nevada County was deemed ineligible to receive federal funding for local broadband efforts. Steve explains what Nevada County residents can do to correct this error. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Northern California is expected to see another day of heavy rainfall, with some flood warnings extended near rivers in Mendocino and Monterey counties. And as the rain continues today, Californians across the state are cleaning up the messes left behind by the most recent wave of atmospheric river storms. Governor Gavin Newsom toured Capitola Village near Santa Cruz Tuesday, surveying the flood damage to small businesses there hit hard by storm surges. All this will be assessed, and obviously the state's intention, as is the federal government, is to help in the short run and the long run to be there for these businesses. KQED's Rachel Myro has the story. Melissa Serrateño co-owns with her husband Caruso's Tuscan Cuisine in Capitola Village. I caught up to them wearing rubber gloves and masks, tossing rotting food into the trash. The place is closed until the power comes back on, which is to say, until further notice. But she insisted she's in a grateful mood. My husband actually sandbagged everything, so we were prepared. And basically all the windows that we had years ago, he sealed them all up because we've already been flooded in. Not once, but twice. A stone's throw from the beach, still covered with downed trees, like entire trees, not just branches. Serrateño says she's grateful for the collective effort of local cleanup crews, too. When we first came down here, the day after, everything here was destroyed. We had neighbors, we had business owners, everybody was pitching in, cleaning up everything. And the public works people, they were amazing. They were making sure all the mud was out, making sure that all the water that was left behind was gone. I mean, this village doesn't look anything like it did the day after the storm. At the Sandcastle Cafe nearby, Ginger Lou says she's been lucky so far. Her power was only down for two days, but she's felt the love from local regulars just the same. People step by and then they care about us and then ask, how are you? Uh, Any uh, problem? Anything we can help? Anything they can do? I think uh, they just say, how are you? I feel cheer up. Serrateño and Lou were too busy taking care of business to pay much attention as dozens of reporters swarmed around Governor Gavin Newsom, touring devastated businesses just a stone's throw from Caruso's in the Sandcastle. But his just-proposed budget for 2023-24 suggests $8.6 billion to tackle water and drought issues, including flood protection. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro in Capitola Village. In Santa Barbara County, cleanup is underway now that evacuation orders have been lifted. KCBX's Benjamin Perper reports. 
Sheriff Bill Brown says he considers evacuation and shelter-in-place orders in areas like Montecito and Carpinteria a success. There are no reports of major injuries or deaths. However, he says there is still plenty of damage across the county and that the storm is still a lingering threat throughout this week. This week's evacuation orders came exactly five years after the deadly 2018 debris flow that killed 23 people in the same area. Santa Barbara County Supervisor Doss Williams says the success of this week's evacuations showed the area has come a long way in preparing for disasters since then. The fact that we have come through this uh, storm in Santa Barbara County uh, without major injury proves we're not cursed, but in fact we're blessed. Given the scale of the, uh, the rain event, we passed through close to unscathed and will be even stronger in the future. Rain is forecast to return to the area this weekend, but for now, the biggest threat to the county has passed. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in Santa Maria. Elsewhere in Santa Barbara, my California Report co-host Saul Gonzalez spoke with Teresa and Frank Lomeli as they assessed the damage to their home from street flooding. And that water level was just up to the wall right there. See that wall? You're saying about, what, three feet? Yeah, three feet. Yeah, three feet. So what do you do if there's another storm and another storm after that that's just as powerful or maybe even more powerful? Better preparation and hopefully um, the city will pay more attention to the areas in Santa Barbara like this street that is so much affected by the the flooding that maybe they'll focus on some sort of solution for us. Because it happens all the time that we get a big storm. This is the worst it's gotten as far as we've been here for like 13 years, and this is the worst one. Their middle-class neighborhood experienced some of Santa Barbara's worst residential flooding. And it's not just neighborhoods and homes. People were stranded in Santa Barbara and surrounding communities because of road and highway closures, something many travelers are experiencing across the state. In a line of waiting drivers along the then-closed 101 in Carpinteria, oil worker Gilbert Torres explained to Saul how it was easier to get from his job offshore to the mainland than it was to get to where he was going in Ventura County. I just came up from work. I'm coming from offshore oil rigs. Oh. And I came in on the boat hoping that the 101 was going to be open. And uh, yeah, so it's closed. So you're just here for now, parked? I'm here for now, parked, and waiting, hopefully... You know, it opens up soon. How were conditions out on the rig? Oh, it was really bad. You know, 50-mile-hour winds, uh, rain, worse than this on a consistent basis. And uh, for about three to four days, it's been like, like this out there. In Merced County, the town of Planada remains evacuated. All 4,000 residents were ordered to leave yesterday morning after the Miles Creek breached. Mike North is a public information officer with Merced County. So that's an operation that takes a lot of time. They had high water vehicles out there transporting people to buses and moving them to shelters uh, where they had uh, cots, food, and supplies available to them. North said that if people needed assistance evacuating, they should reach out to the sheriff's office and, of course, call 911 if they are in imminent danger. The county has set up two shelters, including one at the Merced County Fairgrounds. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The California Healthcare Foundation, listening to black Californians 
a new study on how the healthcare system undermines their pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org lbca. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, January 11th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. On Tuesday, the Nevada County Board of Supervisors declared a local emergency due to the recent winter storms. In the press release, the Board of Supervisors says Nevada County's public works team has been working 24-7 to keep roads clear and wastewater systems running. Community Development Agency Director Tricia Tillotson says, quote, Since the storms began in late December, our wastewater team has treated over 20 million gallons of wastewater and worked the equivalent of 40 days of overtime to keep our systems running. Nevada County joins 18 other California counties that have proclaimed local emergencies due to the series of winter storms. These local statements are in addition to state and federal emergency declarations. The local emergency proclamation allows Nevada County to respond more effectively to winter storm impacts, seek and utilize mutual aid as needed, obtain state and federal funding where it's available, and ensure the county has the necessary tools to endure the ongoing weather events. In Tuesday's press release, the county says storms will continue this week, bringing more high winds, up to 10.5 inches of rain, and snow in high elevations through Monday. According to a Placer County Sheriff's Office Facebook post, sheriff's deputies shot and killed a driver Tuesday night in Placer County after a traffic stop turned into an armed confrontation. The social media post says deputies initiated the traffic stop shortly before midnight on Highway 49, near Loxley Lane in North Auburn. The driver then engaged in an armed confrontation with deputies, sheriff's officials wrote. As the confrontation continued, multiple deputies discharged their service weapons, shooting the driver. The post didn't specify how many deputies opened fire. According to the sheriff's office, the driver was pronounced dead at the scene. The driver's identity has not been released. No deputies were injured during the incident. The sheriff's office says it's conducting a parallel investigation with the Placer County District Attorney's Office into the officer-involved shooting. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service, this stormy weather continues through Wednesday, meaning those flood and mountain travel concerns are still very much front of mind. Believe it or not, more storms are expected late this week and weekend. However, there is the potential for the storm track to shift north of California next week. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, showers mainly before midnight with a steady temperature around 45 degrees. New precipitation up to half an inch is possible. Thursday, partly sunny with a high near 57. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, rain and snow with the snow level rising to 7,800 feet after midnight, a low around 31 degrees. Thursday, mostly cloudy with a high near 44. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, a 30% chance of showers mainly before 8 p.m., cloudy with a steady temperature around 51 degrees. Thursday, partly sunny with a high near 62. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
misleading maps may have Nevada County missing out on some big federal dollars. Luckily, KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Nevada County's Information and General Services Director, Steve Monahan, who's unearthed a potential solution. Up ahead, the role you can play in helping the county secure funding for local broadband efforts. We're talking with Steve Monahan. He is the Information and General Services Director for Nevada County. And we're going to talk about broadband in Nevada County right now. Steve, didn't we talk about a year ago about a survey the government was doing in our area? Yeah, we talked about two surveys. The county, we did our own survey that we called the Need for Speed Survey. And we got about 4,200 residents to take that survey and identify where they live and who their service provider was and what speed internet they have. So that was really useful information. And then over the last year, the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, updated the federal broadband map. And those are the two data points that we really want to talk about today. So what we need to do is fill out a survey on at least one of them, because according to the government, we don't have a very bad problem here as far as receiving broadband, which we all know is not true. We do have a very bad problem. That is a big problem because the way the federal broadband map gets created, it's itself reported by Internet service providers that they can service the homes. So what the, the federal government did this time, they took a different approach. They identified every resident across the country. So it's a nationwide project. And then they asked the providers, do you service this home? And so one, five three, whatever number of providers in the area provided data back to the federal government saying, yes, we can provide that home, this service at this speed. And that's the foundation for that federal broadband map right now. So if you look at it for Nevada County, it looks like we have no broadband problem in western Nevada County. That's the big issue in that what happens are Uh, Some of the local providers have given inaccurate information to the federal government, and that's the foundation for this map. And the problem with that is that there's federal money. It's called the BEAD program, and that's the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program that has $42 billion of funding behind it to build local broadband. And the way they determine whether your community is eligible to receive that money based on these maps. So they're only going to fund areas that are underserved or unserved. So unserved means you don't get, you can't get any broadband from anybody. That's the highest priority. Most of our county people can get some type of internet, either fixed broadband or old DSL. So that's the majority. We do have some unserved areas. Underserved is the majority of ours, and that means that you're getting that old DSL or fixed broadband at 3 megabits per second or 5 megabits per second, but you're not at the federal standard of 25 megabits per second down, 3 megabits per second up. So what we're seeing on our map as we pull up this new data that just came out from the federal government in the last couple months when they published their broadband map is that there's a lot of providers that are saying that homes in our area can get higher speed 
than what we've heard from our residents and what we saw in our local survey that we did. So how are we going to fix this? So the way we fix this is people have to go online to broadband.gov and look at the broadband map. You can put in your address, and then you can actually see the providers that have reported what they believe they can service your home with. And if that's not accurate, then you can click on a button to challenge that and give that feedback to the federal government. And that's the main way that we can make updates to this map. It's from an individual perspective. I was reading where there's a January 13th deadline to do this. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And it's unfortunate that they did that right after the holidays and, you know, when everybody is a little busy with timing uh, for that and they didn't give that a longer ramp up period. We're certainly hoping they will extend that. But the deadline is Friday. But I would recommend that you do it by Thursday because I would expect, you know, that website might get pretty darn overloaded on Friday afternoon. So once again, before Friday, hopefully maybe it will be extended, what is the website people go to? Broadbandmap.gov. Broadbandmap, all one word, .gov. You're looking for the federal broadband map from the FCC. Is there a link to it on uh, Nevada County's website? Yeah, we have it in some of our Facebook posts. Well, thanks a lot. We've been talking with Steve Monahan from Nevada County's Information and General Services Department. Thanks a lot. Sure thing. Thank you. Up ahead, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza sits down with intern news producer Julia Jem for Soups On. The news team takes a close look at what the Nevada County Board of Supervisors tackled at their latest meeting. Tuesday, January 10th, was the first Board of Supervisors meeting here in Nevada County for the year. Uh-huh. It's Soup's on. Hi, Julia. How are you? I'm doing well. How did the meeting go? The meeting went well. There were 37 items on the agenda, with items 3 through 32 being on the consent calendar. Hold on. This is my cue. To review the consent calendar is the way that they get a lot of things approved in one shot right? Yeah, the consent calendar is non-controversial items that are voted on at one time. Right. So 3 through 32, consent calendar. Yes. Okay. What else happened? At the beginning of the meeting, there was a moment of silence in memory of the 22nd anniversary of the incident that occurred on January 10th, 2001. That's the Hugh Building shooting, right? Yes. Um, So it was in memory of Laura Wilcox, Michael Markle, and Pearlie Mae Feldman. So after the moment of silence, what happened? Item number one on the agenda was the selection of chair and vice chair for 2023. Uh, District 2 Supervisor Ed Schofield was unanimously selected to serve as chair, and District 5 Supervisor Hardy Bullock was selected to serve as vice chair. Nice. Item number two? That was the recognition of the 2022 chair, Sue Hook. Got it. Okay, so looking at the agenda, after recognizing Ms. Hoke, there was a period of public comment. Anything significant happened then? Um, It mostly consisted of criticism towards the economic impact report for the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine. Oof. Spicy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was there any comment from the council in response? No. Okay. All right. Well, what was the most notable item at the meeting? I would say that the most notable item on the agenda was item number 37, which was a public hearing. Uh, This is going to be sort of dense to consider the Nevada County Planning Commission's recommendation that the Board of Supervisors adopt the addendum to the certified final environmental impact report 
They also approve a zoning ordinance amendment to a section of Chapter 2 zoning regulations to amend the county's commercial cannabis cultivation ordinance. Briefly, can you tell me about the ordinance? Yeah, the, the draft ordinance proposed a few general changes and some minor changes and clarifications. It would allow adult use cultivation in addition to medical use cultivation, uh, combine the commercial cannabis permit and administrative development permit application slash permitting processes, and add standards and requirements for additional license types for things such as distribution, non-volatile manufacturing, micro-businesses, and retail sales. Wow, these are big changes. Yes, and it does more than that as well. It would also remove the on-site residence requirement for adjacent parcels included in common ownership, and there would be modification made to setback requirements. There would be an increase in setbacks for larger cultivation sites, a modification in setbacks in order to be consistent with state requirements, and an additional modification of setbacks for shared property lines. Also, some parking requirements would be added. Parking requirements? Yes. Did a lot of people show up at this meeting? There were a lot of people, and there was lots of public comment, and most of the public comment was from local cannabis farmers expressing their support of adopting the ordinance. And did they vote on it? Well, they seemed to agree that they were in favor of cannabis approval. They recommended that some changes be made to the ordinance. But in an effort to provide explicit direction in contrast to just recommending the changes, the board had to make a motion to amend. Mm -hmm. In the motion to amend, there were four issues that were discussed. First, there was an increase in square footage of canopy. It was revised to state that sites of 80 acres and greater may have an allowance of 40,000 square feet for outdoor growing, and varying allowances would apply to indoor and mixed light growing. Okay. The second revision involved retail sales, storefront, and standards added for micro-businesses with storefront retail. And I want to read a quote by Brian Foss because it's a little bit complicated. Brian Foss is the planning director? Yes. Okay. He said that the space dedicated to retail shall reach a maximum of 1,000 square feet and shall be included in the total support area allowed for the operation, which allows the applicant to propose what they believe they can accommodate on their site. And that will be evaluated through the use permit process. Okay. And then they voted on it. No, there were still two other issues, but they'll be discussed at the Board of Supervisors workshop, which occurs on January 23rd. So although um, no decision was really made, I can give a brief rundown on what those two issues were. There was some confusion during the meeting pertaining to which cultivation sites the setback requirements would be applied to. And Brian Foss noted that there is language in the ordinance pertaining to the payment of certain taxes as required by the code, which will be discussed further at the board workshop with no current directions for language change. And then they voted. Yes. Okay. The motion to amend was made, and then the meeting was adjourned with more possible decisions to be discussed at that January 23rd board workshop. So a big day for cannabis. Yes. Well, I really want to thank you for sitting through that and for your reporting. Thank you, Julia. Oh, of course. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, January 11th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Wallace Design Studio Architects, providing architectural design for commercial, residential, and medical projects throughout California. Examples of recent projects include Insight Imaging, Culture Shock Yogurt, Cake Bakery, and Valor Oncology. 
More information available at wallacedesignstudio.com. And The Pizza Joint, offering a variety of New York-style pizza specialties, prepared with fresh ingredients by the Slicer Pie, plus salads, pasta, and local beer. Open daily, Commercial Street, Nevada City, thepizzajointnc.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.